Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the Chemical Peel Vampire, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I knew it! You were just waiting for me to turn my back so that you could push me over and get me. Yeah. I just want to bite that neck. So, I was thinking about this yesterday. If Stanley's a vampire, then that means there's other vampires too, right? Because Stanley's well-established in Vampire Town already. Yeah. So that means there's another vampire that turned Stanley at, like, the middle of the night. So they have, at minimum, two vampires. Three with Adder now. <laughs> I, I want to believe that we were still right and the whole town is just vampires. Mm, that'd be like, cool. everyone, maybe, except the, like, the funeral home guy. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, what? There's vampires here. He was and just the special else. kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, alright. Well, now that we got that out of the way, how are you doing, Brandon? Yeah, I'm doing alright. Oh, me too. I'm kind of tired today. Yeah? Well, we had daylight savings time, and um, for listeners at home, if you guys don't know, the way the daylight savings times works in Australia versus the United States is backwards. So, instead of like, oh, we get to sleep in for two hours, and then we get to record at our time... No, I just wake up two hours earlier now. So it's six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And it's not great. It's not great. Nope. Your time changes, and then mine time changes, and then it goes backwards, and it's just always... It's incredibly confusing, because they don't happen the same time. Yours happened, like, weeks ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And then ours just happened on November 1st, so it's just... It's cuckoo. It's annoying... We're always like, what time are we getting up? What time have we got to record? So, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little zany today because I've been running on like four hours of sleep and uh, it's going to be a good yeah, episode. So if you I just think. start speaking gibberish, we'll just roll with it. Well, the magical powers of editing won't allow me to talk gibberish. <laughs> I have saved people from gibberish before and I'll do it again. Uh, the recording process will take four hours, but the <laughs> listeners at home will just hear 30 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> except for the uh, the patrons that listen to our bloopers, they get the real deal. Yeah, they get an extra minute. So, I think I already asked you, but how are you doing, Brandon? Anything cool happen to you this week? No, nothing cool at all. It's not surprising. Um, no. It's kind of- kind of a comfort knowing that nothing exciting happened to you i don't have to worry about my boring life in that way so yeah that's great oh man brandon we just got done watching the tale of the secret admirer what did you think of this episode i really liked it i really liked it too brandon (laughs) oh thank god i didn't want to argue with you i don't i just don't have it in me today to argue when was the last time we even argued about an episode i don't I think I've liked episodes a little more than you have. For example, Silent Servant, I believe I liked a bit yeah. more than you did. Yeah, you uh, did. But it w- it's never been like, yo, dude, my favorite fucking episode is Misfortune Cookie, and we're going to get into it. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. But yeah, this episode was good. Really good. And I feel like for the first time in, like, I'm really trying to remember... Yeah. When the last time Are You Afraid of the Dark went for horror. Yeah. Like, real horror. I can't I can't remember. I don't know. Probably Night Shift? But that yeah, was a little bit silly. It was a little too. more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. It's been a while. 
it's been a good minute. It has. Uh, this, <laughs> I, gosh, this episode like legitimately made me go, <gasps> you know, <laughs> I was like, so it's got <gasps> the factor. It does. Um, I will say, uh, any negative I have is towards the character Nick. I don't think he's great. He's no, kind of weird. I I don't trust him. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. But But other than that, um, Asia Vieira does a great job as the main character. The parents are fine for the first like for the first time in a while. I mean, besides Vampire Town, they're fine there too. But um, the villain is pretty great. Yeah, he uh, maybe a little bit of wasted potential with the villain, but nothing agreed. Yeah. Nothing outstanding. Yeah, I I had a good time with this episode. Uh, I think that this is one of those episodes that if people didn't have this like hatred towards season six and seven or whatever, that it would be like an instant classic for everybody. Yeah, you could that. slot this episode into any season of Are You Afraid of the Dark, and it would have been a standout. Yep, yeah, I agree. Well, do you want to just like we we've talked about how great it is? Do you want to just talk about it? And find out why it's so great. Yes. Let's talk about it in way more detail. Alright. I will say, um, there's this, like, macho man, like, um, toxic masculinity kind of going on. Okay. See, I didn't know where you were going with that. I thought you were talking about Randy Savage. Macho man Randy Savage? Nope. I wasn't talking about him. There's a real macho man in this episode. (laughs) Oh, He snapped into a Slim Jim and I was like, (gasps) (laughs) No, there's this like, there's that's the only criticism. You lost I have, the bet, really. baby. <laughs> that's the only really thing that I don't care for is that there's like this, like toxic masculinity going on. But like, if you can ignore that, because this is 1999, so if you can ignore that, I think I th- I think this is a top tier yeah, episode. That's that's just a thing. And now that I did another general um, talk about it, let's splash into this one. Oh yeah. So our episode starts up with Megan standing at the end of the walkway to the campfire. And she's got a little basket with something in them. It might be a hat. I don't know. And each member of the Midnight Society walk by. And I thought they were taking one. But they're actually putting something in to this hat basket thing. Yeah. And then they thank her. Which is kind of why I thought they were taking one. Because they thank her as they walk by. Just, uh, you know, they needed to get rid of their rubbish. And she provided them they have the ultimate rubbish get ridderer uh in front of them in the form of a blazing campfire so i have to laugh right here um (laughs) during our watch party i did the watch party of um tale of the walking shadow and in that one is the one where tucker gets everybody popcorn and and sodas or whatever and i was watching it uh with lance because he wanted to watch some are you afraid of the dark so i was like yeah you can come in here we can watch the watch party and and everybody loves it because he makes these silly comments and stuff right yeah so at the end of the episode when tucker's all like picking up the shit and he's like oh man why do i gotta be a responsible one lance was like why does he just throw it all in the fight <laughs> i was like that's a great point son why not <laughs> Uh, it's a good solution to just about anything yeah i don't know i probably would have maybe not the soda cans but 
Those paper bags would have been in the fire before everybody left anyway. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. So Quinn at the end is saying, you clowns make me do the dorkiest things. And the kids all take their seats and Megan tells them, it's not dorky, it's fun. Hey, here's an idea, Quinn. Stop showing up. He can't. He's invested at this point. He's got to get them stories, man. Okay, well, you're not convincing me, Quinn. I'm not buying it. He's kind of a jerk, but I still kind of like him. Do you? I like all of them in Night Society, honestly. I'm, I'm <sighs> looking forward to ranking them and talking about them all uh, and see this season six wrap up. I don't like him in the same way that I sort of loved, hated Frank. Yeah, he's, he's different than Frank. Like, I mean, he might be like the Frank 2.0, but... Yeah, he's filling the same role, but he, he's not a lovable jerk. I will save my thoughts about him and for the season six wrap up because we still got one episode left, Brandon. He might turn it all around. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> he won't, but you know, whatever. he's going to be the new Betty Ann instead. That could happen. It's a possibility. So Megan takes her seat at the throne, asking, "Now your notes are typed, not handwritten." And the gang says, "Yeah." And Megan sets down her basket or hat, saying, Okay, the game is called Secret Confessions. The idea is to tell someone in a note something you're too embarrassed to tell them face to face. And Quinn's all, What I'm embarrassed about is this dorky game. Yeah, we get it. He doesn't like having fun, okay? Megan sighs, throwing her hands in the basket. She swirls it around and she grabs a note and she reads it, saying, The first one's to Tucker. And she smiles and she reads, Thanks for letting me be in the Midnight Society from Andy. And we cut to Andy, who gives a big old smile as Vance <laughs> yells at him, saying he's not supposed to sign them. And then calls him a dimrod. Not only that, that's not a confession. He <laughs> fails on every front. Andy's he's a little slower. Yeah, he's simple, but... <laughs> simple Andy. Andy scrunches up his face, saying, you're not? And Megan giggles a little, saying, it's called Secret Confessions. And Tucker tells him, it's cool, and you're welcome, Andy. So Megan swirls the note around again, and she takes out another one, saying, this one's to... To Andy! I'm glad you're my friend. Well, there you go. And Andy sits up in his seat, thinking that this shit is cool as hell. And Megan grabs another one, as Vange and Quinn just kind of stare into space. (laughs) They're just like, oh my god. (laughs) What the hell are we doing? (laughs) The next one is for Andy again, and it says, I'll bet your zipper's down again. And we see Andy check his zipper, and all the kids laugh at him, and Andy embarrassingly asks Megan to move on to someone else. So she takes out another paper saying, this one's the Vange. And she opens it up and reads, you remind me of me. Are there any other toddlers in the Midnight Society? Well, the part that it's kind of weird to me is like, who else could that be from except for Megan? (laughs) There's only two girls. They could remind them of themselves in other ways. I suppose, but at that point, it's teetering on being an insult. Vance scrunches her face and turns her head to Quinn, asking if that's a good or a bad thing. And Quinn tells her it depends on who wrote it. Megan's all, okay, last one. Oh, it's for me. I always wanted to tell you that you're pretty. Andy and Tucker smile, and Megan says, thanks to who wrote that. Quinn butts in asking if this shit has anything to do with her story, and Megan tells him, of course, getting secret notes is cool, especially if they're good ones like this. Good things are good. She's right. Yeah, good things are dope. If somebody said I was pretty, I would be like, oh my god, thank you. That would make my year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, Brandon, but what if you got a note that wasn't so great? What if it warned you about something evil? Oh my god, that would ruin my year. I would be like, that's it. 2020 is now a bad year. <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's what it would take for me, too. I'd be like, I'd get that note. I would look at my wife and I would say, this is the worst thing that 2020's done yet. Yep, it tips it right over the edge. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of the Secret Admirer. So the note that they get in this episode doesn't really warn them about anything evil. It's just no, kind of like a summoning. Not at all. It's just like, yo, be here. Yeah, it's like, hey, you like me? <laughs> it's like the most simplistic yeah. note that you can write. Circle one. Oh, man. You got one of those notes one time. I never did. I did. I still think about it. Well, you know... If maybe you would have circled yes, you wouldn't be in Australia right now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> wouldn't be dealing with this heat. It is a beautiful day and, and the leaves are falling. You could have had some fun here, but nope. Why didn't I circle why? Well, everybody has to live with horrible moments in their life that they just go over and over again, and that's yours. The tale opens up to a lunchroom in a school, and there's kids in line and they're grabbing like muffins and pastries and cookies and shit. And we pan just a little to a girl who has kind of like disheveled hair a little bit. And Megan's voiceover tells us, Maggie Evans was one of those girls who kind of blended in. We see her get cut in line by some dude who doesn't even notice her. You can say it, Megan. She's ugly. Well, Megan's not that mean, so she's not going to talk about her like that. And she's not ugly. No, she's not. Her hair but, is literally just a little bit yeah, shuffled. I feel like this episode is trying to be like, yeah, this uh, this girl, you know, she's a, a horror show. <laughs> we cut like a minute later, and Maggie is walking over to some tables with her food, and Megan tells us that she didn't have any friends. I'm sorry, she didn't have many friends. She might have had one or two. And most kids in her class didn't even know her name. Well, that's because her name is Maggie. Yeah, I would be like... Just say it. It, it feels bad coming out of your mouth. It does. And you know what? Maggie. I, I didn't know it was Maggie. I thought it was Maggie. So if I say Maggie instead of Maggie, I apologize. But Well, her name really is matter. probably Margaret, and she goes by Maggie. Who would do that? Who does that? She could so easily go by Maggie. So easily. You have to make a conscious decision to go by Maggie. Yes. The wrong even Meg. Decision. Meg is so much better. I agree. I've never heard of any Me anybody going by Maggie. Yeah, maybe you start out as a Maggie. And yeah, then, like as a know, as baby Maggie. By the time you're in middle school, you say, "You know what? I've evolved." Yes, I'm a Meg now. You've transcended Maggie and and gone to the more adult Meg. Well, whatever. <laughs> she sits down at the table with a couple of other kids that don't pay her any attention. And sets down her backpack on the ground. And she looks down and she takes out a note from her bag as Megan says, But someone knew who she was and that someone was watching. And she looks at the note that has her name written on it and she flips it over and then slowly opens it up. And the note reads, Do you feel the same way about me that I feel about you? Meet me in the wood shop right away. She takes a quick look behind her and she smiles. And we cut scenes. Maggie is now opening up a door and walking down the aisle... With a smile. <laughs> That's what rhymes. <laughs> I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. Whoa. You're like Shakespeare. Kim just rolled her eyes at me. Honey, did you know that you married a poet? 
I wouldn't have married you if you were. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. That's the reason why we're married. By aisle, I mean uh, hallway. (laughs) Yeah, so that rhyme doesn't count. No, but I didn't intentionally write it. (laughs) She looks around and she sees a couple of boys. And it's kind of like she's wondering if they're the ones that wrote the note, you know? And one guy in a red shirt smiles and walks by. And another with his arms crossed just stares her up and down. (laughs) So for someone who blends in and just is a nobody... She's like the focus. Oh yeah, yeah. Of this hallway, she is it. These are like first-person camera shots, and like the camera is her, and the the boys are just staring at her as if she is a chunk of meat. My favorite one though is this kid. He's on the screen for like I don't know, maybe a second, and he's got ice cream or something all over his face, and he zips by the camera with these wide eyes, and it's really funny. She finally walks up to a kid in a Letterman jacket getting crap out of his locker. And he turns around saying, hi. She says hi back and is all, um. But then another jock in a Letterman jacket comes up behind this guy saying, hey, sup, big guy. And they bro out for a second. And then they look at Maggie. And the second jock asks if there's something they can do for her. And she kind of awkwardly says, um, I got your note. And now there's this third dude who looks like he's about 30 years old. He's fat. And he whistles at uh, the first jock and he, he rubs his fingers together in a like, you know, for shame gesture. And it's all, you gave her a note? And the first jock like laughs and this he, sh- thing? he shrugs. And <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And they turn around and Maggie looks, at, looks a bit destroyed. And the second jock grabs the note and starts making fun of her. And the first guy grabs it from him and hands it back to Maggie, telling her it isn't from him. And they brush past her as the most dramatic music plays. And yeah, she's crushed. It's wow. It was but a lot. I'm not, I'm not really sure why. Why did she think this guy sent the note? Because he is near the wood shop uh, room. Okay, but so are a bunch of other people. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, it's... I mean, maybe she was just hopeful. She thinks this guy's cute or whatever. I think that but might she be She didn't play it, it off, like, trying to figure it out, like, hey, is this yours or something? Where he could just, you know, be like, nah, or yeah. She was like, hey, I got your note, because I know it's you. She 1,000% committed that it yeah. was him. Like, she has no reason to believe it's him, but she was like, there he is. That's my Nick. <laughs> I'm getting that. That's the Which... future Mr. Maggie. <laughs> Maggie walks away and bumps into some kid reading in the hall, and that scene fades. And honestly, like, I thought that was a great scene, though. Like, the music was dramatic. Like, it was the most dramatic music that we've ever had in the show, I would say. I and the, uh, the music in this episode altogether is pretty good. Yeah, you're going to be grabbing a couple clips of music. <laughs> but, like, man, I don't. she was destroyed. She got, like sucker punched in the kidney (laughs) it's crazy yeah but we got a couple of characters to meet do you want to meet these these folks yeah who are these plain boring people let's find out first up the main character even right here i have is maggie so clearly i didn't read but it's maggie and she is played by asia Vieira, who was in flash forward with jewel state yes I didn't know that while I was watching it, but she looked familiar. Yeah. And I I looked her up because I was like, who is this chick? And yeah, 
she's from Flash Forward. Sure is. With one Miss Jewel State. I think she did a really good job. I like Asia yeah, Vera. She, she's good. She was also in Omen 4, The Awakening, which I wasn't aware that there were more than two Omens. So that's cool, I guess. Sure. I'm sure she's the best part of Omen 4. I can only imagine that that is true. It was from like 1990 or 1991 or something, so she was probably pretty young in it. Mm-hmm. Next up, the original Jock, which um, this episode does that thing where like they don't say a character's name for a while, so I kind of had to figure out who, who who was who, so I just came back to this later, which isn't what I like to do, but the uh, first original Jock, his name is Nick, and he's played by Mark Hauser. And Mark was the voice of Sky in Winx Club from 2004 to 2009. I've heard of that. Well, I think I said this before, but my nieces had like an obsession with Winx Club. Was, uh, I'm going to probably have to talk with them about that now. But He also did some additional voices in a few video games in the mid-2000s. Let me guess. Okay. Assassin's Creed. No. Deus Ex. Nope. I said mid-2000s. <laughs> okay. Deus Ex. Assassin's Creed. None of those? I think the mom is later, but that's a spoiler for you. He did games like Naruto. He did a Ninja Turtles game from 2007 and Far Cry Instincts. Ah, Far Cry was going to be my next guess. Should have done it, man. Trust your Far Cry guts. The jerk jock, his name is Bucky, which they never say in the episode, but by process of elimination, I figured him out. It's still better than Maggie, but man. Yeah. The episode never tells you that, but like I said, process of elimination uh, got me to figure out this name. Yeah, he's a Bucky. He's a Bucky. He is played by Andrew Walker, and he was previously in the show as Eric from The Tale of the Vacant Lot. Huh. Yeah. All right. He, you know, we covered Eric in that episode, but just a little sweet refresher. He played Cole Harper in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I feel like you know more about Sabrina. Was that like a main character? Was that the love interest after Harvey? I don't know. Oh, whatever. He was in a ton of other TV shows here and there, like uh, one episode of Big Bang Theory, uh, Reba, ER, couple CSIs, etc. The Fat Jock. His name is Moose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's played by Dominic DeRosa, who played Jean-Pierre in three episodes of Letterkenny. And he's also in a TV show called Barskins from this year. All right. Yes. He's working. He's working it. And he's not 30 in this episode. He's actually 20 years old. He was born in 1979. I had to look. So back in the episode, we're looking at a house. And then we zip in and Maggie's laying on her bed. A mansion. When it is a it mansion. It is the house from Home Alone. Yeah, it's crazy big. And then in Waltz's mom, who comes over and says, hey... What is it, sweetie? And Maggie sighs, and Mom's all, Whatever it is, I know what you're going through. I went to Monroe High, too. Which, like, I didn't think of anything at the at, at that time when I was watching the episode. But what a weird way to shoehorn that in. Yeah. I mean, you'd say I was a teenager once, too, or something. Exactly. So, like, spoilers, like, I guess that's kind of important to the story, so... If you don't know that, I'm sorry. Spoiled everything. And Maggie's like, you think you know what's going on just because you went to my school? Which is a valid question. Mm-hmm. And mom tells her, no, I was 15 once. And Maggie's like, don't you get it? It's not the same for me. Just look at me. 
And mom does just that. Like and she's tells a her, fucking elephant man. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am a human being. <laughs> oh, man. This starts a weird string of mom just doing everything Maggie says. So she looks at her and tells her that she's a beautiful girl. And she starts brushing her hair with her finger. But Maggie tells her to leave her alone. So mom gets up and walks out. Outside the room, Maggie tells her to close the door. So mom obeys and closes the door. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the room, Maggie holds on to the note and then we fade. But we're still in Maggie's room and she's doing some homework in her little notebook. And she's coloring in like an anatomically correct heart when she gets a knock on the door. Uh At this point, I got to say, she's upset because she went up to Nick and was like, hey, I got your note. And he was like, nah. But yes. someone sent that note. So she still has a secret admirer. Yes, 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 yes. But she hasn't thought like It of may that. not have been that guy, but I wondered if maybe she thought the whole thing was a prank at this point. But I think you'd just be like, yeah, I don't know why I thought the note had to be from Nick. I don't know. Um, I, I don't get it either. I mean, it's a great point. I think maybe Maggie's just, like, upset about being boring and nobody likes her. Or nobody, like, has noticed her because her hair yeah. is disheveled. Well, she so... is boring. <laughs> she, Yeah, she doesn't... Like, she hey, might as well be wait wearing glasses. I point this out later, but she's got, like, some cat posters and shit in her room. That's a character trait, right? Yeah, cats are a trait. So she's, like I said, she's doodling in her notebook, coloring in her heart, and then... There's a knock on the door, and Dad just busts the fuck in there. And he closes the door behind him, and he sits down in her bed saying, Hey. And she quietly says, Hey, back. And Dad's all, Heard you had a rough day today. Want to talk about it? And she shakes her head, and Dad tries to sweeten her life up and invites her out for some ice cream with the fam. But she says, Nope. Got too much homework. So Dad encourages her to throw away her silly studies and take a break. But Maggie stands firm saying, No. You guys go, I'll be fine. So this is two episodes in a row now with parents that try to do right for their children and love them Mm -hmm. instead of abandoning them at the first chance they can get. Yeah, what the fuck, season six? It is a weird turn. This is why everybody hates your season. You're whipping this formula out the window. What the hell? Things are so different now. Like, who cares? The Midnight Society, whatever. But parents? The parents care? don't actively put their children in danger? We want the shiny red bicycle days when that child went through some serious trauma and dad's all fucking wackies over here. You're wacky. <laughs> you fucking psycho. You yo-yo. <laughs> Somebody's eating too many corn wackies. <laughs> I'm going to corn wacky you with a bicycle chain. <laughs> yeah, we want the day-day days where... <laughs> Day-Day's eating popcorn and his sister calls him a zero and their dad doesn't exist. (laughs) And the mom just assaults federal employees. (laughs) Exactly. Ah. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your high school sweetie. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. Whether you're new this week or a longtime fan, we always appreciate you spending time with us. This season, we are planning on doing a different type of giveaway, a contactless one. Unfortunately, Season 6 of Are You Afraid of the Dark was never released on DVD, so we can't give it away. 
but we'd like to give away two official Up All Night shirts. You can choose the color, size, and which seasonal art you'd like, and we'll send it right to your house contact-free. Entering is simple. Give us a follow on Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents. Find our giveaway posts, like it, and comment tagging two buddies who would also love to win. That's it. You'll be entered to win. The giveaway will end on December 7th with the winners announced on December 8th. As always, all patrons will be automatically entered into win. So if you'd like a third entry, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as low as $1 a month. Higher tiers get more rewards, including our $10 and up patrons getting a shirt sent to them of their choosing. We've also got tons of bonus content, including early and ad-free episodes uploaded the moment I finish editing, bonus Quick Fright movie reviews, an exclusive improv episode, and so much more. There's hours of content just waiting for you to listen on our Patreon. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Heather, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan, the Silver Goth, Shane, Steven, Matt, and Kaylee, the Golden Day Days, Bryce, Angela, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics, Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. Our show would not be the same without you. If you're looking for more laughs along with those giveaway entries, we create a lot of content for Instagram and Twitter. Handcrafted gifts, memes, videos, and so much more. Every week we abridge and condense down an entire episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark into one hilarious joke-filled minute, which are just a ton of fun. Every Wednesday night at 8pm Eastern, we watch full-length episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark live on Instagram. So give us a follow and have a laugh with us on social media. To help support us and grow in other ways, you can always leave us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. They help us get discovered and rank higher in the charts. A friendly shout-out on Twitter and Instagram are always appreciated. For a quick link to all of our socials, the YouTube page, Discord server, and so much more, check out the Linktree link in the episode description. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme dating start from Undertale composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the show. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye! Dad, like I said, offers his ear to her, but she tells him to get the fuck out. So he does, and the scene fades. And, you know, speaking about the parents, I think it's time for everybody's favorite part of our show. It's time to meet Samari for the Dark Parents. Yeah, check in with the rents. Mm-hmm. Mom, she is played by Claudia Ferry, who has been in a ton of stuff. She's done voices in Assassin's Creed, and most oh, recently, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint in 2019. Mm-hmm. She was also in a music video for Pink featuring Khalid, Hurts to be Human. No shit. Uh, yeah. I didn't look it up, but the um, IMDb... <laughs> Page said that the description for the video was people doing things in apartments. <laughs> so, wow, it's probably awesome. Pretty intense. She was in the TV series Bad Blood, Queen of the South, Rogue, and a bunch more that I've never heard of. She's great. Dad is played by the late Steve Adams. He unfortunately passed away in 2012. Oh. Steve was in a ton of things as well, including an episode of The Twilight Zone back in 1989. He was in The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo, which <laughs> isn't like something that I should like flaunt for people, but I'm doing it anyway. And he was in Bone Collector with Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. And he was in Dead Silence. You remember that movie? It's got like the puppet with the finger over there like, shut yeah. up. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shh. <laughs> 
That's one of those horror movies that I always wanted to see, and I never have. Yeah. Surprised they haven't made eight sequels to it by now. I wonder if there's even one sequel to it. I'm not going to look it up. Let's not get sidetracked here. I want to go back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. So back in the episode, it's nighttime at the Evans house. And we zip inside Maggie's room. We pan past her posters of cats and her other cat knickknacks. Because she got like this group of three cats just like up on her bedpost and it's super cute. And then we hear the wind has picked up and it's banging some shutters or something. I don't know. I feel like an old person calling them shutters, but it's what it is. It's what they are. They're shutters. Yeah. Maggie is just laying in bed awake and she looks over and then she gets up out of her room and she slowly walks around her upstairs and gets scared by a tree branch that's slapping against her window. We haven't seen a tree branch slapping against a window since uh, Tale of Fire Ghost when it exploded the window and caused the shards of glass to hit the cake. Remember that? Yeah. That's crazy. This episode has more than one Fire Ghost vibe. Yes. Now that I think about it. The lights go out in the house and she starts to panic, so she tries to turn on her light. Like, she, she looks behind her and starts to flip her light switch on and off or whatever. But it's like, you just seen that the lights went off. But whatever. Like, you know, she's scared. I get it. It's fine. But that's not working. So she goes into a drawer and she grabs a flashlight. And her back door blows open from the wind. Which, when I was writing that, I was like, does this sound dirty? I'm going to keep it in. That's what happens. (laughs) Keep your filth off this podcast. I like to keep this G fucking rated. Thank you. Oh my god. Shut the fuck up. That freaks her out. So she runs over and she closes and she locks it. But, like, I'm like, man, your parents just went out for ice cream and they looking like didn't even lock your doors. (laughs) They they left her home during the storm of the century. (laughs) Hurricane Maggie's blowing through. Oh, my God. They're out to get fucking ice cream sandwiches. She takes a step away and we hear a knock on another door, which scares her because, you know, she's alone. Because it's scary. It is scary. This is creepy in the same way that Badge was creepy before Badge showed up. (laughs) Were you concerned that somebody badge-like was going to come and ruin the episode? I have a fear of home invasions. When I suggested that this episode could have been like a stalker and be scary, this is like, for the most part, what I got. And that's why I think it's good. Because it went there. Yeah. It, it This is real horror things. Like, being home alone as a girl, I mean, shit, you can listen to... You you can research this stuff and find dozens of cases of people being taken from their home. Because their parents didn't lock their fucking doors, and they went out for some goddamn ice cream. It happens. It does. And they did it really well in this episode. So at this point, she hears a banging on her front door, and she calls out, who's there? A couple <laughs> okay, of Okay, come on, you're doing this on purpose now. I am not. <laughs> she got front door, she got back door, and everybody's banging on them, okay? <sighs> so... Maggie slowly walks towards the door, and once she's at the door, she rips it open, and she looks outside to show us nothing. It's, it's, it is kind of snowy outside, but we look left, and we look right down her street, but there's nothing there. So she looks down, and she finds a note on the ground, and she picks it up, and she closes the door. And the note says, Maggie on it, and it was at this point that I realized her name was not Maggie. So I'm hoping I'm doing my best by calling her Maggie. You're doing her a favor by calling her Maggie. 
Maggie opens that shit up and she reads the note saying, Do you feel the same way about me that I feel about you? Well, she bolts and locks that door immediately and we get some tense music. And then she looks nervously out the door's window. She races back upstairs and we hear another noise. So she calls out, Hello? Is somebody there? And she walks a little bit down her hallway and a door opens up on its own. So she nervously walks into the room. (laughs) And then when she's in that room, the door closes behind her. And she doesn't notice it. And she looks like, it looks like she's in the bathroom. So she closes this medicine cabinet door and there's a note and lipstick on it with a big heart saying, do you? And then from behind her, we see a figure behind the bathtub shower curtain. And Maggie screams and she runs out of the room. That's fucking terrifying. It was really good. It was well, there was some Dutch angles. You know, this episode's got a couple of Dutch angles, but, uh. Throw some Dutch up in there sometimes. <laughs> They're used pretty effectively. It wasn't as egregious as um, Sorcerer's Apprentice, which was the tale of the Dutch angles. It was good, though. Like, uh, it was really good. Yeah, I liked it. And I liked the fake Halloween music that was playing. Oh, yeah, right? It was good stuff. While she's walking through the house. Maggie races down the stairs. She gets to the front door and unlatches it and runs outside and right into the first jock with the Letterman jacket on. Nick. She screams in his face and he says, hey, hey, it's only me. It's Nick from school. And Maggie's face, it shifts from scared to excited. And it's it's done really well. I mean, is that a thing you can say? Like somebody's face is done really well? Yeah, her face is done so well. (laughs) Her face is aces. She did a really good job of switching the emotion. It reminded me of Catherine from... She do good face. Yeah, it was like when Catherine went from, like, nice to, like, bitchy and, you know, the switch of a light. It it reminded me of that. So she, this actress, Asia, she's got some range and it's really nice to see. At this point, I thought maybe Nick was the stalker. Oh, yeah, I totally thought that Nick was there and the other jock guy was the one that was fucking with her. That's what I thought was going on. I thought he was just trying to kill her. And so he quickly... Jumped out of the bathroom, <laughs> went down to the front door, and was like, hey, I'm here to save you. I create the problem, and then I solve it. That's called gaslighting. He's an evil son of a bitch, and I still don't trust him. It wouldn't surprise me. He's my least favorite part of the episode. Maggie smiles at him for a second, and then remembers that she's in mortal peril. <laughs> and cries that there's somebody in the house. Upstairs. So Nick races inside, up the stairs, and Maggie follows behind. When he gets up the stairs, the light flicks back on, and Maggie points in, the bathroom! So Nick cautiously walks inside, and the two, they pull the curtain back, and they reveal a onesie on a hanger, and they sigh. So is that Dad's onesie? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's got like a butt flap and everything. (laughs) She's all, Tell me I wasn't scared by a pair of long johns. And Nick giggles, saying, Nice, drip dry. (laughs) Good one, Nick. <laughs> Sorry, it's so stupid. <laughs> oh, Maggie's all, but the door, it moved. And Nick tells her that the window's open, so the wind's blowing pretty hard. And she walks over to the medicine cabinet mirror, saying that there was a message on it. So the camera pans over to the mirror, but it, the message is gone. So Nick shrugs, and we cut, and the two are walking down the stairs as Nick tells her not to feel embarrassed because it's, it's easy to freaking see things in the dark. 
I once thought I saw a scarecrow coming at me on the couch with a hammer. She asked, and what was it? My dog with his food bowl. He felt dumb, but he'll never forget to feed Hold him on. again. Hold on. What? Brandon. He thought what? it was. He thought it was a scarecrow. I thought that was going to be something in reference to Silent Servant. But nope. How do you confuse a dog with a bowl as a scarecrow with a hammer? Those two look nothing alike. Nick is stupid. He's an idiot. Even in silhouette. I can't talk for Nick because one, he doesn't exist. And for two, he's an idiot. So I'm not going to let this slide. I want you to draw me a picture of a silhouette of a dog with a bowl in its mouth that looks like a scarecrow with a hammer. <laughs> All right, I'll get right on it. After you finish that dream It'll be like, comic. who's that Pokemon? I loved who's that Pokemon, even <laughs> though it was super easy. Nick walks to the front door and he's about to leave, but Maggie says, wait, what are you doing here anyway? Which is a fantastic question, honestly. Nick tells her that he wanted to apologize for today. You know, the way those guys acted. She tells him it's all right, but he says, no, they could be real jerks. I'm sorry. And Maggie then asks if he's the one sending her the notes. And Nick says, no. Hey, that means you have a secret admirer. And she smiles saying, yeah, I guess so. And Nick tells her that he'll see her tomorrow. And she smiles saying, thanks for everything. And he awkwardly tells her goodnight and he leaves out the front door. And Maggie smiles and sighs. And we zip upstairs to the medicine cabinet where she imitates Nick in a deep voice saying, so see you tomorrow. And she giggles and she washes her face for just a quick second for some reason and she towels off and the camera pans up to the mirror and there's a fucking dude right behind her. Holy shit. And he's growling and she screams and it cuts to commercial. And I didn't see that coming. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) That is like, oh my God. I would be out of that house so fast. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And I wouldn't come back. I would never feel safe in the house after that. No. Never. Oh, my God. This guy. Like, you only see him for a second or so, but he's got, like, burns on the side of his face. Like, half of his face is burned, like, Two-Face. Yeah, And it looked pretty gruesome, honestly. This guy, this character's name is Teddy, and he's played by Raphael Dumas. And Raph's been in exactly four things. This episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? A short in 2003 called Venus Conspiracy. Another short in 2014 called Family Dinner. And finally, something that I will not be able to pronounce. But I'm going to (laughs) try. Oh, please. Okay. It's called Crow Tavoria Muzhichini 2. Nailed it. In 2015. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what language that is, but it's not English. This is the part where I gasped because, honestly, I didn't expect this at all. No. This was a good jump scare. I think it was probably the best jump scare of the series so far, honestly. Yeah. It was, it was good. And as a, as a culmination to all the suspense that was building. Yeah, yeah. It did a great it job. It built all the suspense, and then it was released when you're like, oh, it was just the Long Johns. Just Dad's onesie. Yes. But No. No. It's this fucking guy. Yeah, it's uh, some sort of fucking ghost. Because we come back from the episode, and Maggie is still screaming when in the front door walks <laughs> As Mom you would. Dad. Yeah, well, You'd yeah. never stop. <laughs> She's still screaming today. <laughs> <laughs> they hear that, and they race into action. Back upstairs, Maggie turns around, but the burn dude who we saw in the mirror just like a second ago is gone. So she runs out of the bathroom, screaming, and into Dad, who's just gotten up the stairs. And he asks what happened and runs to check out the bathroom. 
He looks in, sees nothing, and looks back at Maggie, who is crying with Mom. And I thought that was going to go on for at least a little bit longer, but we just cut. And we're back in school. Yeah, life goes on. Traumatizing event, and they're like, yeah, Maggie, sorry, but you still have to go to school. Which, maybe she wants to get away from that fucking haunted house she's in. (laughs) Yeah. Every second at that school is a welcome reprieve from the nightmare. Then again, the person is here, too. By the woodshop. Uh, she doesn't know that yet. So we're back in school, like I said, and Nick opens up his locker and he puts some books inside. He bends down to pick something up. And when the camera pans back up, there's a note at the top of his locker that says superstar on it. So he looks around for a second and then he grabs it and he opens it up and it says, if you don't stay away from Maggie, I'm going to hurt you, superstar. And the bell rings and he looks around and he sees something. So he closes his locker door and we cut and he's seen Maggie. So he's running up to her in the hallway and he reaches her saying, hey, Maggie. And they say hi to each other as they're walking. And Nick asks if she got any of any more of those secret notes. And Maggie stops him saying, no, why? And Nick shows her the note that he got asking, what's up with this guy? And she hands it back to him saying that she doesn't know and runs away from him. She rounds a corner and she starts to panic a bit when Nick runs up on her asking what's the matter. And she tells him that she's really scared and this guy's really freaking her out. And now she's seeing things that aren't really there and now he's threatening you. But Nick calms her down saying, easy, easy, easy. It's okay. Maggie asks Nick why the guy is doing this. Nick says, I don't know, but this guy's a chicken and there's absolutely no reason to be afraid of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maggie looks at Nick and says, but he threatened you. And Nick lifts up the paper saying this. Now that I know you, it's going to take a lot more than a goofy note to keep me away. And she smiles saying, you mean that? And Nick's all, forget about those losers, Maggie. You'll probably never even hear from him again. And she smooches him on the cheek when around the corner comes Bucky and Moose. Okay, so first of all, he doesn't Mm -hmm. know her. Yes. The only thing he knows about her is that she has a potentially violent stalker and she sees things. Yeah, and she also has a a lot of baggage. (laughs) I didn't really care for this scene a lot because I... Um, it tries to make it seem like no time has passed. Like this is the next day because they don't tell Mm -hmm. us that it's not. But the way that these characters are acting is just so weird to me because Maggie just had this like traumatizing event where there was somebody in her house and also his face was half burned and he was a ghost and she's like in school the next day. And like, has she talked to Nick about this already? It just, it's just really weird to me. It didn't seem to me like this was the natural next conversation that she would have with Nick. I think it would be, Nick, the second you left my fucking house, there was a ghost in it. (laughs) You know? like Yeah. You weren't even out of the driveway. Did you hear me screaming? (laughs) (laughs) Did you say hi to my parents? (laughs) But it's not. And I, as I was watching it, I was like, this, something about this, it just doesn't feel natural to me. So now that Bucky and Moose are in the picture, Bucky's all, you are the man. Oh, man. <laughs> you in the bed, dude. I never thought in a million years you'd get her to kiss you. And Nick's all, not cool, guys. Damn. And Bucky takes out some money saying, high price, though. I wouldn't let her kiss me. And Nick swivels to Maggie saying that this isn't what you think, but she runs away and he goes to chase after her, but Bucky stops him saying that he can drop the act and the pooch is gone. But it really sounded like he said bitch to me. <laughs> They were trying to get as close as they could. I think you're right. So they, she's all that at her. Essentially, yeah. Like, very explicitly. Nick breaks away from him, and then we cut to Maggie's house. 
man okay yeah yeah they they all added her and i just i didn't expect them to do it again to to be like ruthless again like that but they did well she deserves it for trying to have emotions i guess yeah (laughs) being stalked by a ghost yeah that'll teach her next time we see outside of her house and then we warp inside to maggie walking down the stairs there's a knock on the door and she calls out who is it and it's Nick. So she tells him to get the fuck out of here. And he begs for her to listen, saying he wasn't a part of it. But she doesn't believe him and tells him to go away. So she starts to walk away, but he yells, wait, there's another note for you out here. So she stops and she opens up the door a little and takes the note from Nick. And she opens it up as he asks if it's from him. And it reads, meet me in the woodshop tonight. I'll be waiting. Nick offers to take care of this for her and meet the guy at the woodshop. And Maggie yells, I want you to leave me alone. And she goes to close the door, but Nick throws his hand in front of it, saying, Wait, I don't know how else to say this, but I really like you, Maggie. I hope you believe me. And then Dad interjects, saying, Maggie, is there a problem? She's all, No, Nick was just leaving. And Nick tells her that he's going to go meet that guy for her, so he'll leave her alone. And Maggie yells, Just stay out of it, Nick. And Nick gets kind of aggressive, saying, Maybe I'll prove to you I'm telling the truth. And Maggie yells after him, no, Nick, don't. And then she shuts the door. What part of the the bet was actually true? I don't think any of it was true. So but it's really was hard Bucky to tell. Just, just like, hey, was he just fucking with her? I think so. And putting Nick in an uncomfortable situation, thereby pranking them both? I think that's what it is. But the way he's acting makes me feel like he wasn't on it. But, I don't know. At least a little bit, but developed feelings somehow. Yeah, I think that it's just, like, a a story part that was just, like... It must have been... They must have cut a scene or something of him making this bet with uh, the character. And then they were like, oh, shit, we forgot to put it back in. That's what it feels like to me. Nick is... um, This is where he starts to get that, like, toxic masculinity that I was talking about earlier, though. Like him throwing his arm in front of the door and being like, no, I'm going to go there. I'm going to make you love me. It's really weird. We cut and Maggie's tossing some salad, which is literally what she's doing. Oh my God. Regardless of the dirty meaning behind it. (laughs) Portland. You know what? I think something's up with this episode. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. Yeah, they had doors and food. Like, come on. You knew what you were doing. Dad looks at her saying, I remember that bag. Wasn't that yours in high school, Maggie? And we see Maggie's left her dirty backpack on the table while everyone's trying to get dinner ready. I mean, that shit was on the ground of a high school. That's nasty as hell. Okay, that shit was on the ground of decades of high school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get that girl a new bag. I take back everything I said about these caring, loving parents. <laughs> they send her to school in decades old clothes and she's wearing tattered shoes taped together and threadbare, disgusting sweaters. Yeah, it's got like fucking stains from lunches from 1978. And they just give her a bag like, uh, here's your mom's old bag. Take out the dirty gym socks. Take that to school. Oh, she left some food in there. It's growing a colony. What a weird, like, angle to take the story, honestly. It's unnecessary, really. It, it is. Like, I feel like it doesn't detract a lot from the story, but it's just kind of like, it was a choice, I guess, you know? It was definitely a choice. Mom turns her head and she nods, and, and we look at Maggie, who's all, 
What did you just call her? (laughs) (laughs) And mom pipes up saying, didn't you know? It's what everyone used to call me in high school, too. Didn't you know? That's my name. (laughs) (laughs) That was so weird. What did they fucking call you? That's my name. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I loved it. (laughs) There is some clunky bits of writing in this episode. They had an A and a B, and they needed to figure out how to get from one to the other. Yeah. And they were like, "It, it doesn't matter. Don't think about it too much. No. (laughs) <laughs> They're like, this is a kid's show. We can do whatever, and they'll eat it out of the palm of our hands. <laughs> <laughs> and they showed us that that's true right here. Yeah, it's a great episode. Dad adds in, and you look just like your mom did back then. <laughs> 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 so, back in that one scene when she was like, Mom, I have a horse face. Did your mom, like, take <laughs> insult to that? <laughs> <laughs> Maggie kind of looks around saying, the no. It was it was for me. And Mom rushes over saying, the no? What no? And she pulls out a note from the backpack and hands it to Mom, who quickly looks at Dad, who asks where she found it. And Maggie shrugs saying, school? Someone put it in my bag. And Mom reads the note and slowly looks at Dad saying, it must have been stuck in the lining all these years. <laughs> and Maggie's all, you mean this note was for you? And Mom walks away saying that she wouldn't understand. And Dad follows saying, Margaret... And Maggie's all, Dad, wait, what's going on? And Dad tells her, it's ancient history, and he'll explain it another time. But Maggie's all, but it's my history too. Talk to me. And then we cut to Nick. And Nick's opening up a door, and he is in the school hallway. That's enough of him. Back with the fam, Maggie (laughs) is just haphazardly chopping some celery like it fucking cheated on her. (laughs) She's just like, whack, whack, whack. It's crazy. And Dad says his name was Teddy Mars, a real foul ball. Petty thief, vandal, you name it. Maggie asks what he looked like, and Dad's all, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, he had a crush on your mom, and he started giving her notes. And he stops, and he looks at her saying, You sure you want to hear this? I'm not sure she does. Hey, if your parents were about to, like, drop some juicy, like, high school details on you, wouldn't you be like, yes, tell me? Yeah. Back with Nick, he's walking down some some hallways and a poster near him falls off the wall so he looks at it and then he keeps on walking back with a fam dad tells maggie that her mom didn't like the guy and didn't know how to tell him and he didn't take the hints then one night he asked her to meet him in the wood shop but dad went instead and the camera zooms in on maggie's face and she says the wood shop we cut to nick who's fucking around with his locker and the camera growls and runs up to him But he looks up and there's nothing there. So he sighs and he opens up his locker. Back with dad and Maggie. He says, I found him in the finishing room. He was spraying this wooden heart with lacquer. He carved it for your mom. I told him that she wasn't interested in him, but he didn't believe me and wanted to hear it from her. We started to argue. He kept calling me superstar and he pushed me and pushed me again. I didn't want to fight because he was a dangerous guy. But finally, I had to push back. And Maggie's all, and... And dad tells her he fell and hit his head on the drying lamp. The ball broke and there were sparks and lacquer is pretty flammable. Next thing I knew, boom, I was blown right out of the room. I was lucky. I hurt my arm. But Teddy? Teddy died in the explosion. 
and Maggie asks why he didn't tell her the truth before, and Dad tells her that he wanted to wait until she was old enough to understand, and he really hopes that's today. And Maggie smiles, and she hugs her murderous father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dad killed a guy. He killed a guy. Casually tried to make it look like an accident, killed a guy. Yeah. Uh, he fell and uh, fucking exploded. Holy shit, yeah. He's like, he, uh, oh my god, uh, he hit his head on a lamp and it sparked and <laughs> He fell on a grenade and uh, <laughs> he fell on some bullets. I don't, I just don't know. He sighs saying, that's my tale of woe. So tell me, what's bothering you? Yeah, poor dad. <laughs> He's such a hip dad. Just getting on another level with this girl. That reminds Maggie, though, that Nick is about to get killed. So she's all, Nick, I gotta go. She runs out of the room. What the fuck is wrong with this girl? When her dad was like, yeah, he called me superstar, she should have been like, holy shit, this is happening again. Like, at that point. Yeah. She was just apparently so enthralled that her father was giving her them sweet deets about high school. It's ridiculous. We cut to Nick, who looks through the window of the woodshop room. He opens up the door saying, hey, anybody here? And we look around the room that's full of, like, buzz saws and jigsaws and other stuff you can cut your fingers off with. And then the door behind him slams shut. And he tries it for a second, but a buzz saw whirls to life and shoots a bunch of sparks on the table. And Nick turns that shit off, yelling, hey, whoever you are, leave Maggie alone. And then a bunch of shit just starts shaking on a wall. And then just all the machines just come to life. And Nick backs up, freaking out, looking at all the shit going crazy. And he backs up to the buzzsaw that snaps to life and shoots sparks at him. And then he runs through a door and deeper into the wood shop. He goes into like the flammable air room. <laughs> yeah. The door slams close behind him and we hear somebody laugh. And we look over at a heart spinning on a stick that says Maggie on it. And the guy in the room says, it's payback time, superstar. And a lever on some oxygen tanks moves on its own and starts spilling gas into the room. And Nick tries to close it, but he can't. He's choking on the gas, and the dude just laughs at him as he attempts to escape the room. And then the dude, which, I mean, his, his name's Teddy, says, This time, Maggie's gonna be mine. And Nick stumbles to the middle of the room and falls over as some red lights turn on and they shine on him. It's like the tale of Locker 22 all over again. Yeah, it is. Except way more intense. We cut to Maggie. She's running into the school. She races down the hallway, and then we cut to Nick, who's coughing on the floor. And the ghost guy walks out of the shadows and points at Nick, saying, It's your turn to fry, superstar. And the makeup looks pretty good. Yeah, not bad. It looks like a melty person. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. Maggie makes it to the woodshop door and shakes it, yelling for Nick. And she looks around, and then she grabs a bucket, and she smashes the window. Back with Teddy and Nick, Teddy grabs a crowbar, saying, One spark. That's all it takes. Remember? And we see Maggie unlock the door, and she opens it up, yelling for Nick. Back with the guys, Teddy is about to start smashing shit and sparking it up with that crowbar, but he stopped when Maggie starts trying to open the door to the flammable gas room. She bangs on it and finally gets it open. And she starts coughing, because this place probably smells like shit. And Teddy looks at her, saying, Meg? You came. And he lowers the crowbar. Well, well, it's Maggie. Yeah, it is. What the fuck? She, we, we went over this. It's not Meg. Meg is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Maggie. Maggie helps Nick up asking if he's okay, and Teddy tells her to stop, and that he's waited a long time for her to answer the note, then asks if she feels the same way about him, 
as he does about her. You'd think the screaming would be a hint. Yeah, right? Or the fact that she didn't come. We get this great close-up of the guy's burned half of the face, and it looks pretty great. He's got, like, an eyeball and stuff. It's pretty cool. (laughs) I'm impressed by just, you know, normal things, I guess. I don't know. Maggie stares at the guy for a minute and then says, No! No, Teddy, I don't. I don't feel the same way at all. Teddy screams, and he smashes his crowbar on a light bulb that breaks, and Maggie and Nick jump out of the room as we see the worst cg explosion ever what the hell happened this season i can't tell if the budget went up and they were able to afford a computer or the budget went down (laughs) and they had to use a computer like i don't know (laughs) i don't know what happened but like compare this to the explosion from midnight ride yeah that was a good explosion a great explosion i think it's just the cg is just so shitty in 1999 it's, it's awful it's really bad that cg shit gets sucked back into whatever ass it spawned out of <laughs> and the kids they shuffle around and maggie asks if nick's okay and he says he is and asks who was that guy and maggie looks at nick saying a sad kid who finally learned the truth nick's all yeah and what is the truth This is something that they shouldn't be talking about right now, (laughs) but they are. And Maggie Maggie tells them, it's something you got to listen to, even if you don't like what you hear. Have you been telling me the truth, Nick? And Nick tells her that he has. Maggie smiles, saying, so then. (laughs) Exactly. The only only thing that's not absolutely perfect about you is that you have jerky friends. Nick's all, yeah. (laughs) Just so, like, full of himself. He's so. He's like, yeah, I'm perfect, except this one little thing. (laughs) And Nick's all, yeah. And Maggie says that she could deal with that. And the kids stand up, and they walk away from the smoking and smoldering room that they are going to be blamed for, for destroying. (laughs) Yeah. You can't blow up half of a school building. They had cameras in 1999. And just be like, look. We just happened to break into the school after Mm -hmm. hours, but we had nothing to do with that. We look at the rotating heart that's on fire and that fades to the campfire. So I kind of love the fact that 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 room got exploded twice now. This is the second time in this school's history that that room has exploded. (laughs) You would think they would learn the first time, but they didn't. Yeah, they should just do the same thing they do with pools in these schools and just board it up, board it up and build a whole new woodshop (laughs) wing. I just, man, when they got up and they just casually walked away from that exploded room, I was just like, you fucking idiots are going to get in trouble for this. Like, this is going to cost good thing you live in a fucking mansion, Maggie, because you are going to have to pay for this again because your dad exploded it before (laughs) (laughs) this fucking family (laughs) they love love two things killing teddy (laughs) and blowing up wood shops yes yeah they love the name maggie (laughs) killing people (laughs) damaging the school so i mean it may have been more cliche, but I really, really thought that this episode was going to end with Mom coming in, confronting oh. this ghost, yeah, and being like, you know, Teddy, I don't have feelings for you. Because 
that's the resolution this guy needed. He didn't <laughs> need this other chick telling him she doesn't like him because she's not even the girl he really liked. He just thought it was. That's so true. I kind of love that this ghost just got nothing. He wasn't even after the girl that he was originally after. She told him fuck off and he got exploded extra. <laughs> he got exploded again. Yeah, this whole thing happened because mom couldn't... She couldn't tell him no. She didn't want to be a bitch. Yeah, mom couldn't just put her foot down and say, nah. She doesn't I'm, like I'm confrontation. Not, I'm not for this. So it would have been a great character moment for her to finally get the courage to tell this ghost fuck off. But nah, she just runs away. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, this note. Well, see ya. And then dad just casually is like, yeah, I killed the kids. What of it? Yeah. <sighs> I killed a few kids in my time. <sighs> Where's my onesie? <laughs> this episode is silly, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, this episode is good. It may not sound like it, Yeah, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we might be, like, laughing it up and stuff, but it's still a really good episode. The music is tense. The scene with her, like, the first half of the episode where she's, like, walking through her yeah, house and stuff. The scene in the is... house is legitimately scary. Yeah, it's good. They did a great job. We pan up, and Megan says, the end. And Tucker thinks it was a good story, and the other kids smile, and Tucker asks, so, how does it really feel to have a secret admirer? And Megan picks up another piece of paper smiling. Which I thought it was another piece of paper. It's, it's the same piece of paper. And then that smile fades and she's all, wait, I read this wrong. It says for Megan's game. It's not for me. And Quinn laughs saying, goof. So who's got the secret admirer? And Megan tells him, well, you do. And Quinn's all, can't say I'm surprised. What's it say again? And Megan reads it again. I always wanted to tell you that you're pretty pretty much a dork and the gang all laugh at quinn <laughs> and annie points saying you really are a dork <laughs> uh, that's funny and quinn snatches that letter demanding to know who wrote this and van ship gets up saying sorry that would be a secret and walks away megan pats him on the shoulder and walks away followed by andy and tucker quinn crumples that note up and that's the end of the episode wow that's a good one it's a good episode yeah one of the best of season six easily um but you know i think we covered it really well in that episode i don't think i have much more to say about it what do you think the moral of the tale of the secret admirer is i think the moral is don't look like your mom yeah i don't think i've ever heard of a story where looking like your mom has gotten you into something good it's always into something bad yeah freaky friday mm -hmm. just no good that's the only that's it <laughs> just <Freaky Friday. laughs> how many looking like your mom stories can you think of mm. off the top of the dome go ahead i got nothing i don't even have freaky friday <laughs> yeah that doesn't even count that's being your mom yeah don't be your mom either just trust us we know what we're talking about these experts i think that another one would be don't go into school like late at night when nobody else is around it could never end well you're either gonna fucking blow something up or you're gonna get yourself killed somehow just don't do it yeah, stay out. Don't go to school unless it's school time. Don't go to school. That's what Maggie's dad says. He was like, yo, quit drawing that fucking heart. Get out of here, get some ice cream. <laughs> More of the story. Ice cream, fucking delicious. Yeah. The Tale of the Secret Admirer. I Honestly, it's a pretty good name. I like it. It's apt. Do you think we could come up with uh, something better, though? Yeah. I do, too. The Tale of the Murderous Father. <laughs> 
The Tale of the Old Ass Backpack. What a weird plot device that was. Yeah. The annoying part to me is that that backpack got no screen time. Like, there wasn't any mystery surrounding this backpack. It was just her backpack until it wasn't. It would have been way less of a stretch. Still a big coincidence, but way less of a stretch to just have the notes appear in her locker, and it turned out that she had the same locker as her mom. Yep. Whatever. The Tale of Stalkers. Tale of You Got a Stalker. (laughs) Tale of the Toasty Stalker. There we go. That's what I was looking for. The tale of the flammable room. (laughs) The tale of the ambiguous bet. There we go. That's it. I don't have any more. (laughs) I'm ready to move on. (laughs) I'm ready to go to sleep. (laughs) I have to. Let's finish this up. All right. All right, Brandon. Are you ready to know what the season fucking finale is? We're on season six, episode 13. Season goddamn finale. Wow. What what do we got here? Oh, man. Oh, no. (laughs) The... Season 6, episode 13. Ending on a high note, Brandon. The tale... I don't know. Like it's, the tale of Bigfoot Ridge. Oh, <laughs> finally! <laughs> Who do you think is going to tell the tale of Bigfoot Ridge? Oh, this is fucking Andy all over. It would make sense that it was Andy, wouldn't it? Because he was in Manaha, and that was the Bigfoot <laughs> episode. And this is Bigfoot Ridge. Yeah, this is like double Bigfoot. I got it like the tax on a, the map with the fucking string everywhere i it's andy it's gotta be andy <laughs> yeah this is andy what do you think the tale of bigfoot bridge is gonna be about huh let me think maybe yeah. sharks <laughs> it's gonna be the Loch Ness monster <laughs> our tale of bigfoot <laughs> in the lake it's gonna be the jersey devil <laughs> a swimming big feats <laughs> I think it's going to be the Mothman episode. <laughs> that would be badass. It would. Mothman's pretty great. I think that... How is this going to not be the tale of Manaha again? <laughs> uh, By having the Big Feet actually be Big Feet? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, the setting... Bigfoot... Oh, come on. it's gonna, They're going to be camping in a ridge, and they're going to mm-hmm. see Bigfoot tracks, and they're going to be yep. like, fuck, Bigfoot's real. <laughs> yep. And they're going to be right. That's the difference. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you want to know something fun about this episode, Brandon? Let me guess. It has 0.0 on IMDb. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's look at that first. 474 reviews. It mm-hmm. has a 3.4 out of 10. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that means nothing. It could be a masterpiece or it could legitimately be a 3.4 out of 10. We will know in a week. I got to say, though, Brandon... You want a little teaser, a little, little sweet taste of what we're going to be in for? Yeah. Okay. The main character of this episode is named Kirk. And you want to guess for just a second who he's played by? Is it someone we've seen before or no? It's somebody famous. He has not okay. been in the show before. Somebody famous. Um. He doesn't like sand. <laughs> Hayden Christensen? Yes. Whoa. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This would have been just a few years before Attack of the Clones. Yes, because Attack of the Clones was like, what, 2002? Yeah, we're getting our first Hayden Christensen story. (laughs) Hopefully the first of many. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) He's going to be like, I don't like Bigfoot. His hair is coarse. (laughs) Gets everywhere. Uh, Only if you're doing things right. (sighs) Hopefully they will. Well, Brandon, I've been up all night, man. I'm I don't want to talk to you anymore. I really am going to go back to sleep this time. <laughs> yeah, me too. 
and stay <sighs> there. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm out of here. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody. Bye. My dog with his food bowl.